Well, come on, how are we doing, X Church? 11:15. You got to be stronger than that. Are you here? You ready? Hey, happy new year. Help me give a happy new year to everybody online. I'm so glad that you're with us today. And it's going to be a really, really special day. Uh, why don't you turn to the person beside you, look him right in the eye and just tell him, say, you look, Kevin, you look like you've already reached your New Year's fitness goals. Tell him, you, you, you look like you've already reached your New Year's fitness goals. Turn to the other person beside you, you just ignored and tell him, today, be proud. Because you're already starting the year off right. You're in church. You're in church. And to everybody that you know, look around that's not in church, go ahead and take out your phones and send them a text of condemnation and shame and guilt. And I'm kidding. Some of y'all were like, okay, I'm just I'm getting ready to do it. But uh, this is a, the right way to start off the year. I believe it's going to be really exciting. And I was talking to Pastor Tim about a month ago. We're talking about this day. And there, there's this verse that is really popular for preachers to use on New Year's. And so he just joked, he's like, are you going to use Isaiah 43? And I was like, no, lesser preachers would use Isaiah 43 to begin the year. And then I thought about it, I was like, I'm definitely going to begin the year with Isaiah 43, but we're going to go a little bit different way. But it, it is a powerful passage uh, to rally around, no matter how many times you've heard it. And so I want to throw it on the screen to get us started. I love this. This is uh, God talking through a prophet in the Old Testament. And he says, forget the former things. Anybody already, you just know something in 2021, I'm ready to forget a lot. Anybody just ready to forget a few things? Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I feel like we could camp out there for about 12 years, but then we would be, yeah. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness. Sounds like a good book. And streams, that's a joke, and streams in the wasteland. And then I love the New Living Translation uh, version of this verse. I love the, it kind of has some like sass in it, has some teeth to it. It says, but forget all that. Turn to the person beside you say, but forget all that. All that shame and all the things still hanging on to you from the last few years, all the doubt and regret and sin, all the junk, forget all that. And then I love how God says this, it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Even the good stuff from yesterday, it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do now. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. How many like me? I want to just rally around that, embrace that for my life today. So I'm going to pray. As I pray, I want to encourage you. Don't just listen to me pray, uh, but pray that God would speak something really special to you. Uh, I, I believe today is going um, to change something for a lot of people. And by the way, I'm so rude. I'm Russ, <laughs> if I haven't met you yet, uh, if you're brand new to this space, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm on the team here. It's so nice to meet you. Here's what's really cool is not only do I bet we have a bunch of first-time guests, I bet we have a bunch of people that came for the first time for Christmas but came back today. And if that's you, we're so glad that you're with us today. And uh, I can't wait for next week. If you're brand new and you hate today, our lead pastor is going to be kicking off a brand new series next week. Next week, it's going to be amazing. But let's pray. God, thank you so much for these moments that we have together. Thank you that you are already at the end of this year as we start the beginning. And you know everything that's to come. You know every valley we're going to walk through and how you're going to see us out of it. You know every blessing you have prepared for us. And God, you know everything that you long to do in us and through us. And so God, we just posture our hearts today to hear from you and experience you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many would just be honest and raise your hand and say that you have an Android phone? Awesome, awesome. Hey, that's a, hey, listen, it's been great having you. There's a lot of great churches in central Ohio and... Um, it's, I'm kidding. Relax. Uh, <laughs> this is not the way you begin a message and offend half the audience. Um, but uh, sorry, I love the rivalry of, of, of Apple and uh, Android. But anybody like me, I'm, I don't mind spending money from time to time, but I will not upgrade my phone until it either shatters or it's free. Anybody else? Like, I, I don't know why. Like, I want it so bad, I get jealous when all my friends upgrade their phones, but I just, I never do until it shatters or it's free. Part of this may be I, I got scarred the first time I tried to upgrade uh, my iPhone. 
It was about eight or nine years ago, and, and I had flown home for Christmas. I was with my family in Greenville, South Carolina, and I were in the Verizon store. And just to kind of set the stage, it, the store is packed, like a ton of people all around. And, and, and I'm in line. They've been trying to help me upgrade my phone, but it's taken like an hour. And not an hour because I'm waiting in line, but because they were, there was something wrong with my phone. And they kept saying, hey, there's something about your payments that's not caught up yet. And I said, well, what is it? Like, I just, I mean, I have my payments. They're like, no, you paid your normal payments, but there's something you've been buying through your phone, on your phone, that you've not been paying for. I was like, well, what is it? And she goes, do you want to, if you don't mind, can we just step into another room and we can talk about it? I was like, step into another room? Are you going to apprehend me? I just want an upgraded phone. Why would I, don't have a bomb on me. I just want to get a new iPhone. And she goes, um, I can tell she's nervous. Like, she didn't want to tell me. And my, my, my parents are standing right beside me again. It's packed. People are, like, waiting in line. And I said, well, no, seriously, just say out loud. What is it? She goes, I'll write it down. I said, don't write it down. Say out loud. Why can you not upgrade my phone? And some of you are going to think I'm exaggerating. Here's the, the next words that came out of her mouth. She said, you have a lot of videos on your phone you've not paid for. And I said, what, what video? She said, it says here, Dark Exotic Nights. <laughs> so, and I said, I said, what? She said, dark, exotic nights. Now, listen, we have minute. I'm, I am not minimizing anybody. In all seriousness, I'm not minimizing the struggle that a lot of people have. We have ministries here that help with uh, men's recovery, addiction, all those kind of things. But I want you to know, in that moment, I was not responsible and guilty for what she was accusing me of being responsible for. And I, and, but you know how, like, when you argue with somebody, it makes you look more guilty? So, and my poor my, my mom, she goes, oh, honey, oh, honey. The people around me, I saw parents, like, grabbing their kids, like, let's walk out right now. I said, did you say dark, exotic nights? And she said, yes. And, and I said, that's not me. I didn't do that. She goes, I'm sure, sir, but it, it, it shows that you've not paid. And so, so it was, for me, traumatic to upgrade my phone. But if, I, if we're really honest, I don't know, if you're anything like me, sometimes I've, it feels just as exhausting and discouraging every time I try to upgrade my life. So it's, it's, it's inspirational to hear God's doing a new thing. But anybody like me just, I mean, honestly, like I've, I've struggled and still struggle at times with going into a year saying, God, is this the year I'm finally going to become all the things I keep telling myself I'm going to become? Like, is this the year that I'm finally going to get past that and get over this and move into this and get healed from that and, and move into this thing and finally achieve that? I mean, anybody like me, like, it's inspirational to hear about upgrading your life until you actually get into the day-to-day of it. And I was, while I was pacing around my apartment a few weeks ago, and this is just the weird thoughts that came to me, and it may not sound super profound to you, but the thought hit me, if I'm going to have a new thing, I'm going to need two things. If I'm going to have a new thing, I'm going to need a new me and a new way. Because I can say that I want that new thing, but until I, if I still have the old me, it won't be able to contain the new thing, or it will destroy me. And a really practical example I think we all know would be, finances. Like it's easy to say, God bless me with $100,000 and then I'll be fine. But, but if, if the current me is bound up in discontentment and irresponsibility and greed and lack of generosity, then it doesn't matter if I get a new thing, if I still have the old me, because it's just going to go right through me. I, I looked up the stats last night for the NFL, because I'm just I'm kind of a big football guy. And um, anyways, I, I found out that 15.9%, that's 16%, about a quarter of NFL players within 12 years of retiring won't just go broke, but will actually file for bankruptcy. Why? Because people built into their talent, but not into their character. They got a new thing, but they still had the old them, and it actually destroyed them. So whatever it is in life, if, I, if I'm believing for a new thing, I need a new me. My, uh, one of my... Um, my youth pastor when I was growing up, I, you know, you ever just think, man, I just need to get away. Like, I need to escape, move to a new city, move to a new town. And he'd always tell me, he'd say, Russ, son, the problem is wherever you go, there you are. You know, like, whatever new thing you go in, I mean, sometimes God calls you, but wherever new thing you go into, the problem is I'm, I'm there. And unless I, the essence of me changes, it doesn't matter what new thing comes my way. 
So I got to work on me, but then I also need a new way. I mean, on the flip side, I'll, I'll tell you some positive news since we talked about the NFL. On the positive side, last year, Pastor Rick and a group of people led a group of, I think, 15 to 20 people through Financial Peace University who said, I don't just need a new me. I need a new way to handle money and do things God's way. And in about nine weeks last year, a group of them paid off $77,000 worth of debt. Some of them became giving for the first time. We're doing that again this February. If, if I want a new thing, I need a new me in a new way. And so I want to talk for a few moments about uh, uh, maybe just a few small but perhaps life-shifting new ways we could approach life and God that might just set us on a trajectory for 2022 to be the greatest year of our lives, regardless of what happens around us. Because I think if you're anything like me, sometimes I go into a new year and I say, okay, this is the year that I need to, I need to lose weight or I need to do this financial, or I need to do that financially or I need to do this in career. All those things are great, but isn't it easy to, to approach and prioritize and set goals or whatever you do for New Year's towards, the most, towards everything else but the most important aspect of who we actually are as people? Towards the core, towards the inside. It reminds me of uh, C.S. Lewis. He once said this. He says, I'm not, a, I'm not a soul that happens to have a body. I'm a body that happens to have a... I'm, I'm a he said, I'm not a soul that happens to have a body. I'm a body that happens to have a soul. Now you can react like that was really good, right? All right. But seriously, what, what if this was the year? Jesus said it this way. He said, if you would just seek first the kingdom, the eternal things, the actual things that matter, all these other things will be added unto you. But if you're anything like me, a lot of times I chase all the other things and the inside, the core part of me, the part that actually matters, the part that's eternal, the part of my world that's going to create everything around me and my external world is kind of peripheral. But what if this year who I'm becoming actually became the focus? And so I want to give some thoughts on how to... Maybe in a new way, even if you can't come to church for years, maybe some new ways to think about how you and I can approach God and even church and life in a way to, that will give space for the core of us to become something really, really beautiful. How's that sound? Pastor Jesse says it sounds awesome, so I'm going to take his encouragement to go. All right, if you have scripture, if you have your Bible with you, if not, we'll have it on the screen. I'm going to read to you from 1 Samuel. This is a book in the Old Testament. And... Samuel, just some background while you're searching for it, he, a lot, of, a lot of scholars say he was the greatest prophet that ever lived. Through him, you, you would see the interactions with King David. He paved the way for Jesus eventually. But in this, the passage we're about to read, and this should excite parents in the room, most scholars believe he's only between 9 and 11 years old. Really cool sidebar, by the way. Tonight is United, Youth Night, where is in Lancaster? In Lancaster, several churches are getting together, middle school and high school, to begin the year in power. And our very own next generation pastor, Pastor Jesse, is bringing the word. It's going to be amazing. Also, by the way, another reason you see a few empty seats is because Pastor Zach took about 30 uh, 18 to 25 year olds that are about to get to Atlanta right now in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium with about 45,000 people to worship Jesus and have their life changed for about two days, which is going to be amazing. So pray for them. It's awesome. But in this passage, Samuel's only about nine or 10 years old. And in 1 Samuel 3, it says this, meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. An interesting kind of sidebar that, that could maybe encourage some people to be interested to think about is, you know, a lot of people ask, man, why don't miracles happen as often anymore? And there's a, there's a lot, of, first off, miracles do still happen. But, you know, in these days, it's interesting that they were in between periods of renewal and revival. Even in scripture, they had times where people would be like, man, why isn't God moving in this moment? Like I've seen him move. But it says in those days, th these were dark days. And it says, uh, it was very rare, visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, now Eli was basically like Samuel's youth pastor, but really old, and honestly, not a really great leader. Uh, he, his ending was not very good, but his name is Eli. He was the priest. It says, one night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle, that's the church, it's kind of weird, near the ark of God, which represented the presence of God. Suddenly the Lord called out Samuel. I love that. One translation simply says, the Lord called Samuel. Somebody needs to know, it doesn't, you're never too young to hear the voice of God. 
You're never too old to hear the voice of God. Somebody in this room, maybe I, I met somebody last experience that came to church for the very first time, and I don't care where your background is from. I don't care if this is your first time at church, whether you believe what we believe. I believe it's in these settings God actually longs to speak to you and actually longs to meet with you. And it's really beautiful to watch. And it says this, that the Lord called Samuel. And then look what Samuel's reply was. He said, yes, what is it? And he got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. You know, one of the beautiful things about our church, and there's people from all walks of life, people that have followed Jesus for years, people that are just checking out churches. You know, at first it can be really easy uh, to just rely on other people and not realize that God is actually wanting to speak to you himself. That God doesn't just want to talk to you through other people. He actually wants you to develop your own intimacy where you get to hear from God. Did you know I don't have a direct phone line to God that you don't have? That all of us in this room can actually cultivate the ability to hear the voice of God for ourselves, and it can change everything about us. And uh, Eli was helping Samuel realize that. And so finally he says this. He says, uh, go back. And, and, and it says, I didn't call you my son. Eli I said, go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Now, this verse fascinates me, and we're going to get through this passage eventually, I promise. But this fascinates me because if you go back to the beginning of the passage, it says Samuel was ministering before the Lord. And then six verses later, it says, but Samuel didn't know the Lord. Which is kind of like a sobering, exciting thing because it helps me realize that in church, I can come to church and even be a servant leader and even get on platform and I can be around the house of God without ever actually meeting God. Like I can come for years, and this is the exciting thing, but also it's something we've got to be aware of that just because I am in the house of God and I'm around the house of God and I sing the words of God and I even serve on a team in the church of God, none of that actually means I've encountered God. But the beautiful thing is, here's, here's, here's the encouraging part though, just keep coming back. Because since Samuel was in the house of God, eventually there came a moment, kind of like Peter, he followed Jesus for years, but then finally he had his moment in the boat where his eyes went open and it exploded in his heart. He said, you are the Christ. Wow, this is real. And it became real to him. And so this is what's happening. So they did not yet know the Lord. And so because he had never had a message from the Lord before, so the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Can we say that together? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. A few thoughts I want to throw out really quickly from this passage of ways that I think we can approach who we're becoming, not just in our daily relationship with God, but also in church of how we experience God that I think can change everything. You realize, isn't it crazy to think about how just simply changing our ways sometimes can change our world? Like you think about technology, you think about inventions, you think about in sports, how sometimes the slightest change can change everything, can't it? I'll never forget, um, I was a little bit of a, not to brag, a little bit of a sophomore in high school homecoming junkie. Went to a lot of them. Uh, they, they weren't as impressed as I thought they'd be. So anyways, that meant I went, I went on a lot of sophomore high school days to proms. And I'll never forget one time uh, I was driving a Dodge Ram 2200 black truck. It was beautiful. I loved it. It was amazing. Some get, you can't picture that, but it was amazing. I got done with this date, the dance, and um, afterwards we were going to go to dinner, me and my date, and then uh, I, she got in the car, she got in the truck, and then I started the engine, but it, it wouldn't start. And I was like, oh, no. This isn't good. This is, this is the moment you just, you never want to happen. Tried everything. I mean, I mean, I just tried everything. I said, ah, sorry. You know, sometimes when they knew this happens and you know, you just, it's, and, and I'm, I'm doing all these things. Finally, it got so bad. Um, some of the other guys from the, um, from the homecoming party came over, realized uh, I just wasn't in park. 
most emasculating moment of my life. It, um, yeah, she left. I'm just kidding. But it, it, was, it, it was really, really bad. But I had all of that horsepower, two tons of steel, but I had, all I had to do was slightly switch something, turn something a certain way to change everything. It's kind of like a, like a doorknob. Sometimes the slightest turn of changing ways can open up doors to things that we never imagined and the kind of life we never imagined. And I want to mention a few of those. Number one is this, and these may be super simple for some people. Number one, view it as a rhythm, not an option. And, and what I mean by that, when, when I say it, I simply mean practices that give space for my soul and the core part of me to grow deep and for God to do a beautiful work in my life. What does it look like? It was because Samuel was in church, he was in the house of God as a rhythm and not an option that eventually he had an encounter with the God that changed everything for him. We all know this, right, that the quality of our rhythms directly affects the quality of our lives, right? I mean, we know this, the, the, the rhythm of our diets, the rhythm of our exercise, it all affects the quality of our lives. I experienced this in a real way about a month ago. Um, River Valley Mall has a, a small um, massage place. Anybody ever walked by a massage place and you just thought, I, I will never be that guy. I'll never be that person that goes and people are walking by and uh, they're getting massaged, the small Asian massage place. I am that guy. Um, I'm, I'm just, you can judge me all you want to. The, the staff, they laugh at me, but I've always had a little bit of a stiff neck, stiff back. And so when we, when we worked in Lancaster, I, w- I would go there occasionally. And uh, I haven't been in a while. And about a month ago, I went and... To be honest, my rhythms of working out had kind of gotten lax. And my rhythms of getting Massey's pizza at 10 o'clock every night on the way home had gotten really developed. And I went for the first time in a while, and I, and I, I, I paid. And the lady that owns it, that she recognized me, and she goes, um, uh, I went to pay. She goes, oh, and she doesn't know a lot of English. Um, but she goes, oh, you've... Hmm. I said, say what? She, she said, you know, you've, I said, I've what? She said, oh, I've gotten, you know, a little fat. I said, a little fat? I said, are you serious? She goes, I mean, just a little. Just a little. See, the quality of my rhythms <laughs> ended up in the result of my rhythms that she commented on. What am I saying? What I'm saying is, uh, I mean, have you ever, anybody ever just wish you were more disciplined than you are? Anybody like me, you just see disciplined people, you're like, I just wish I was more disciplined. Like you see super disciplined people and you love them and you're inspired by them and you also kind of secretly hate them. You know, like I, I get around Pastor Tim, his love language is efficiency. He's just disciplined about every little thing. He's just, you know, just on, on top of everything. I get around Pastor Trey, he's just brilliant at, at, at finance, just meticulous. And I, I, I get around Kevin and, and with CrossFit and his muscles. I'm like, how, how can I be disciplined like all these people? And you get around them, and if you're anything like me, you feel a few things around them. Number one, you get inspired, right? You, you're like, man, if they can do it, I can do it. And, and number two, like I do believe it's really important the people you surround yourself with. Like I want to be around people that their actual existence is an indictment on my existence, you know, like, like they demand that I elevate just by being around them. I love that because I want to be around people that push me and make me better. And then there's also a secret side of me that just thinks to myself, I hate you so much. Like, how are you the way that you are? But, but then uh, about five years ago, I read this book called One Thing by Gary Keller, not a Christian. He's like the CEO, guru, business guy, and brilliant book, fascinating, but he, he said something that actually encouraged me when it comes to discipline, and I'm still, I'm still chewing on it, because I don't know that I 100% agree with it, but it was fascinating. He said, there's no such thing as a disciplined person. I was like, okay. He said, when you see someone that you think, man, they're just disciplined all these areas of life, what you're actually seeing is someone who habit by habit took an area of their life and cultivated into their life until it became subconscious and by default an autopilot until they didn't think about it anymore. Like in the same way that by default I get Massey's pizza and I make myself feel better than this cauliflower pizza every night at 10 o'clock, no one will look at me and be like, man, you're disciplined like that. But it's just, but so, so you have people that they just have built the discipline that after work they go to the gym. It's just what they do. 
At one point, it's probably tough, but they build the discipline until it's become second nature. It's by default. And then what happens is then they build another discipline. They decide, man, I'm going to go to my finances, and I'm just going to get in the discipline of, of budgeting and getting out of debt until they don't even think about it. It's subconscious. This is not what, and then eventually what you have is you have a person who, number one, has an incredible future. Is this helping anybody? Has an incredible future ahead of them. But number two, they make it look easy, and you and I just say, wow, Superman. What am I saying? What am I saying is, what if this was the year that we took the most important things that we make peripheral and made them central until they're second nature? What if, can I just, I don't know, a, I don't know a way to say this without making it old school. What if, let's just start with church. What if church, and I'm preaching the choir because you're here, but what, what if church just became a rhythm and not an option? I mean, I, I just can't help but think where stats show that on the other side of quarantine, people that even came twice a month are now coming once a month. Those are stats. So this isn't judgment or condemnation, but I'm just saying for me, if the quality of my rhythms determine the quality of my life, then a year from now, I, I'm, I, can I just say this? I know it sounds old school. I'm so glad that somebody, when I first gave my life to Jesus in seventh grade, said, you know, Russ, if you're not going to have an internal dialogue about whether or not you're going to go to school the next day, or hey, maybe I'll go to work tomorrow. It, the, the weather doesn't look too bad, and it looks convenient, so I might show up for work tomorrow. Don't have those same thoughts about church. Just make it a non-negotiable. Now, I want to be careful because what we don't want is a, a legalistic duty to hang on our next. What I love is this is the kind of place where I don't ever have to convince myself to come. I want to come. I love that. I, don't, I know I'm biased, but we are in the most life-giving culture. This is the most exciting kind of church. I don't know, by the way, anybody wouldn't want to be here every week. But I know this, even in the most life-giving cultures, you and I have to make decisions about what we're going to prioritize. And what if, what if not just church, what if, okay, what would my life look like a year from now if by default, autopilot, the first thing I did when I got up in the morning wasn't check Instagram, but actually get in the presence of God and let him pour into my soul? What if that became a rhythm I no longer even thought about? What would my life look like? And I want to give you a practical, because I, I posted this the other day, and my millions of followers, they, they messaged me back, and they just, I'm just trying to get y'all to relax. But, but if you need a plan, because some people need a plan, just put, write this in your notes, www.5daybiblereading, I think that's it, just Google it if that's wrong, 5daybiblereading.com, and if you read even, it's 15 minutes a day, five days a week, you will literally go through Scripture in a year. And if you don't finish it in a year, you're going to hell. And I'm choking. But what if that became a pattern in your life, just like me with Massey's, you with, honey, where are you going? Well, I'm getting up. It's my time with God each day. I'm not going to miss this. I'm not, in the same way that I'm going to eat every day, I'm going to spend time with God every day. This is a non-negotiable rhythm in my life. What am I doing? I am taking the peripheral and making them central. I'm taking the most important things in life and making them essential instead of optional. And what would my life look like if I did that? Does this help anybody? So number one, view it as a rhythm, not an option. Number two is this, engage the person behind the people. One of our values is people are our purpose. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. We don't have it on screen, but it says, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours is the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Isn't it crazy to think, see, I love your pet dog and cat and bunny rabbit. And Somebody the other day told me they had a pet rat. Are you in here? They may not raise your hand. <laughs> but the divine fingerprint of God is only on human beings. And... Jesus, with his own blood, purchased the possibility of salvation for humans. And this is why we say people are our purpose. And this is why you read weird verses sometimes because you realize that because God's imprint, image of God, Imago Dei, is on human beings, you read verses at times that you're like, wow, Jesus really takes personally how we treat people because Jesus said things like this. He said, you know, a lot of people on the last day are going are gonna to come to me and I'm going to say, welcome in because you clothed me when I was naked and you fed me when I was hungry and you gave me shelter. And they're going to say, Jesus, when did we do that? He's going to say, when you did it to those, you did it to me. 
See, there's a power when you begin to engage the people. I, I don't want to just see people anymore. I want to see the God. Ins- when I see the worst version of people, I also want to remember the, the divine imprints inside of them. And there's immortal, eternal possibilities of what God can do if he were to redeem them. I want to see the person behind the people. When I was first started going to the chiropractor in middle school, I would, I would be in the waiting room, and there's this little book, maybe some of y'all have heard of called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. You heard of that? <laughs> no one. Um, but it would give tips on how to not sweat the small stuff. One of the things it's said to do for people that really frustrate you, I found this interesting. They said, take the person that you're most frustrated with and imagine them as either a baby or a really, really old person about to die. That may sound either somber or creepy, but, if you, but I tried it. It actually works. Try it this week. If you have a person you're really frustrated with and then you imagine them in a fragile state, and realize that one day they're getting older just like you do, and they're a human being with fears and faults, and they're, they're not eternal. There's something about that that softens you. How much more when you realize that the creator of the universe's fingerprint is inside of them? And now I want to shift this really quick. This is the part, um, I told Pastor Tim, this is the part that I've, I've, for the last month after I felt like, not to sound all spiritual, when I felt like God kind of spoke this, message to me. This is the part that I've really been praying like, I want my, I want my heart to come across in this because this is going to be challenging, but hopefully more than challenging, exciting. It's an invitation even to view the way we interact in church differently by engaging the person behind the people. What do I mean? And by the way, I love, I was talking to somebody two weeks ago that said, I would have never thought a year ago I would be the kind of person to be in church today. So can we just celebrate? Anybody in the room that would say, I cannot believe how far God's brought me in a year? I love that this is the kind of place, this is the kind of church designed for people that don't like church, for people that have been burned by church, for people that wouldn't normally want to come to church. So wherever you're on the spectrum, maybe you've just been coming for a year, maybe you're still coming here, you don't even know what you believe, you're still checking out the whole Jesus thing, this is the best place you can be. So let me, maybe you can even tune me out for a few minutes. I want to speak just for a couple minutes to those of us that would say we've followed Jesus for a few miles now. And I want to offer just a few thoughts on how to maybe even make the experience of church even a little bit richer and more exciting if you ever come to a place where you, you're like, ah, oh, this is, I'm just kind of going through the routines. Are you ready? Is this okay? See, it's, it's beautiful to walk in this place and see everyone. But I, I think sometimes about what David said in Psalms. He said, my one desire is to dwell in the temple and to gaze on the beauty and splendor of God. In other words, there's something even more exciting than anything else that could go on here, even more exciting. I love giving all my friends hugs here. I love the songs that we sing. I love the, the messages that, uh, that we hear. But even more than that, I know this may sound really spiritual and ethereal, but the most powerful part about entering this place is there's a special presence of God that comes when his people come together and worship. And the biggest goal, the greatest thing that can ever happen to me is not even for me to see you, but by the eyes of my heart, see and experience him. But that only happens if there's a little bit of intentionality to see the person behind the people. So a practical example would be this. In the story that we read, uh, God speaks to Samuel, and Samuel immediately goes because he, it's, fam, it's more familiar to him to hear from a person. He goes to the closest person to him and says, Eli, was this you? And then Eli tells Samuel to go back and catch this. He says, I want you to try a new way. This time, when you go into the house of God, I want you to say this. Say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So this might just be a really small, you might think this is semantics, this might be just a small turn of the knob, but, but what if on Sunday mornings I didn't just come in and say, man, I'm really excited, Pastor Tim, I wonder what he's going to speak on, I hope Pastor Russ isn't preaching again, or whatever it might be, I, I wonder, I, I bet it's going to be good, I can't wait to hear what he's going to talk about, what, what, if I, what if I shifted just slightly and said, not I'm excited to hear what Pastor Tim's going to say, but God, I'm excited to hear what you are going to speak to me through him, so So speak, your servant is listening. See, that's a small shift that in my life, I'll just tell you, has created really big results when I've done it. 
Because here's the problem. I mean, this isn't just for brownie points, but are you not thankful that we have Pastor Tim, one of the greatest communicators, I believe, in the world? He's amazing. But here's the thing. He's also just a human being, and if you look to him to fulfill all your spiritual needs, he'll eventually let you down. But if you look through him for God to fulfill your needs, and you come with a spirit of expectation and humility, God will never let you down, because blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they will be filled. So that is why I'm going to come on Sunday mornings on the edge of my seat, not with arms crossed to critique, and let's see if he says something I don't know yet. Let's see if he says something. We'll see how I can dissect his theology. We'll see how today is. No, God, I need a word from eternity today, so I'm going to come with humility, edge of my seat, ready to take notes, saying, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, and God will not let me down when I do that. See, see, this is the difference. This is the difference a posture makes. This is, the, this is why you'll hear me. <laughs> this is why you'll hear me sometimes down there saying, right, come on, amen, so good. You'll hear me being really annoying down here. And it's not just because what he says is amazing, because it is, and it's not just for the monthly bonuses, though I appreciate that. The reason that I do that is also because I want to set the tone of expectation in my own soul that this is not just an ordinary time. I want to set the expectation because expectation is the breeding ground for miracles that, God, I need to hear from you. See, this is where I realize that, you know, there's this weird story where Jesus himself goes into his own hometown, and he goes into his own hometown, and the Bible says something very weird. It says that the people said, oh, isn't that Jesus, the carpenter's son? They were familiar. Oh, that's just That's just Jesus. That's just Pastor Tim. And the Bible says that he couldn't do many miracles in his own hometown. Jesus, because of their unbelief. You're telling me that Jesus, the Son of God, who wanted to do extraordinary things in their lives, was limited by their posture? Wow. But see, I want to bring a posture into church that sees the people, the person behind the people, I want to bring a posture into church that says, God, speak, your servant is listening. Let's let's bring this into worship. So so I I, I saw, I mentioned earlier, but it's fascinating to me that it says that that Samuel ministered before the Lord, before he even knew the Lord. I wrote this this down in my journal a a month ago when this started speaking to me. And, And I put, could it be there's a difference between ministering before the Lord and ministering to the Lord? Could it be that one is from ritual and one is from relationship? Could it be that one is from practice and one is from passion? Let me say it this way. Could it be there's a difference between singing, standing there and singing the songs and singing about God and then entering in with intentionality to sing to God? Let me say it this way. Anybody like me, again, not sucking up, but anybody like me, I know I'm biased, grateful that we have literally the greatest worship ever. Anybody thankful like me, not only do we have awesome songs, but this house is writing songs that are going to be released. And I'm just speaking prophetically. This year needs to be the year the album comes out, and I believe it's going to blow this place up. But can I burst some of our bubbles? Those songs aren't worship. They're not worship. Those songs are a tool to worship. See, I can enter the auditorium every week without ever actually entering his presence. I I can choose to stand and just sing, or I can embrace the invitation of Hebrews where it says, because of the blood of Jesus, anybody, thank God, not because of my performance or I'm screwed, but because of the blood of Jesus, by faith, with boldness, I can enter the presence of God. See, see, here's what my favorite times in worship, can I be honest, have nothing to do with the songs. It has to do with the moments where by song one or two, I honestly have gone off script of the words and I've gone into his presence and out loud, I am worshiping God. I need you. I'm coming into your presence. I love you. Thank you. Lord, today, I need you to speak to me. God, I need you to do something. And in those moments, God begins to do miracles and speak to me and do things in me. And it's funny because sometimes somebody beside me will be like, bro, we'll get done. Bro, do you love that song? And I have to be honest, bro, I don't even remember the song. I'm sure Tucker did great, but I got so caught up in him. Now that's a shift, isn't it? That's a shift that says, I'm going to come in each week, and I'm thankful for the music. When that shift happens and the heart of worship gets in me, I stop saying silly things like, oh, I didn't like worship today. It wasn't about me. I stop saying silly things like, oh, I hope that person sings at the next word. 
No, I've become, let me tell you something. When we get to heaven and see God in his glory and splendor and all the angels and we're on our faces taking in eternal glories, no one is going to take their eyes off Jesus and come up to me and say, Pastor Russ, would you write another book? Because, man, I just, I can't stop thinking about. I mean, I hope I still get to write, but I just, does this make sense? All right, number three. Let Sundays be an overflow of Saturdays. Romans 12, 1 through 2, message translation says this. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Take your everyday life, your normal life, and orient it around God. See, I think a lot of times, we kind of hope and kind of operate like sun, we want Sundays to spill over into the rest of our week, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, especially when you first start following Jesus. Like, there, should, there is something special about these moments. There's something energizing. There's something faith-building about being in a room with all these people we know and love and singing together and hearing together. It should overflow into your weeks. It should matter. But I, I also think there's a danger if this is the only time each week we eat. And I also think there could be a potential power we miss. If, what, what if just occasionally Sunday didn't spill into the rest of my days, but the rest of my days spilled over into Sunday? What if I didn't begin worship Sunday morning and hope that it trickled into the rest of my week? What if I began worship Monday morning and it crescendoed to the time I got in here on Sundays? I was like a rocket ready to go. See, I, I learned this in a really real way uh, with my dad a few days ago, and this is going to get some booze, but... Uh, so don't throw rocks at me, but my dad is a Clemson Tiger guy all the way. I didn't say I was, but dad, if you're watching me, I, you know. But my whole family, I'm from Greenville. My whole family went to Clemson. My dad played for Clemson. And uh, this, we, you know, so a few days ago, I was like, come on, mom, dad, let's we'll watch the game together. I knew it meant, it'd mean a lot to my dad. And so we're watching the game. And, but but before, when I asked him, he was kind of hesitant. He's like, uh, you know, I don't, I, and I can tell he's, he just didn't want to at first. And then, you know, my mom was like, you know, she's like, son, he, he knows how he gets. So he likes to lock himself in that room so no one hears and he doesn't disturb anybody. Because my dad is a quiet man, but when the tigers come on, he yells at decibels that aliens across the galaxy will hear and respond to. And sure enough, it's so funny because my mom, she's a cat person. God bless her soul. No one's perfect. But she has like three cats. And my, my dad, yeah, come on, Rev. Yeah. I mean, he's just screaming. And cats pop up 10 feet in the air and just start screaming around. I mean, it's the, it's the only time I like cats. It's hilarious. It's so funny. But, but, but see, here's the thing. If you know my dad, by personality, my dad's not an expressive person. My dad is, by personality, calm, reserved, quiet, southern gentleman, man's man. Like, not expressive, not passionate. So then why, when he gets in front of a TV or into a stadium, does no one need to prep him or prime him or beg him to bring passion? Why? It's because my dad is not a game day fan. He's a lifestyle fanatic. It's because my dad eats, breathes, and sleeps Clemson Tigers. And so he does that all day, every day, so that when one day a week he gets in front of a TV or in a stadium, not Tucker or Pastor Trey or anybody else in the world has to say, come on, Ron, clap, come on, get a little excited. No, no human being can contain my dad. It explodes out of him. And I'm not going to tell anybody how to worship, how to engage, but I will say this. Scripture says that when Jesus gets a hold of your heart, there's seven different Greek and Hebrew words for praise, and they all connotate totality of being. Heart, soul, mind, and body. And I'm telling you, there's something special that happens in here when the— See, sometimes you ever meet somebody and it's awkward trying to get to talk to them because you just—you want to give a hug, but you— you're not really close anymore. Sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes isn't it coming to church? But there's a natural overflow when all week long I've been living and breathing and walking. You come in here 
It's all you can do. Hands go up without even thinking about it. God, I'm so happy that you saved a wretch like me. God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Or, God, it's been a really tough week, and I just know I need you right now. I need you to touch me. I need you to heal me. I need you to do something inside of me. And here's what I want you to know. There are things in your life and in my life that won't happen on Sunday morning, but will only happen in daily friendship with God. In fact, everybody in this room, under the sound of my voice, I don't care if you've ever thought about it like this or not, there is divine purpose in your life, and there is a spiritual gift on your life. Some of you, God wants to talk, there's a whole message for another time. Some of you, God wants to talk to you about him wanting to use you to hear his voice, to encourage other people. Some of you, this has been freaking out, some of you have the gift of healing, and he wants to anoint you and touch you to be able to lay hands on people, and miracles happen. But those moments do not usually happen in here. I'll never forget, I was in middle school, I probably told the story before, and I've been begging God to touch me in a special way, to, to fill me in a special way, and I went to youth camp, and this is that kind of youth camp that, I don't even know how to explain it if you haven't been, but hundreds of students there, and there's a guy that was praying for each person, and every person he'd lay his hands on, they'd be touched, and um, you ever told, thought to yourself, man, if I could just get that person to pray for me? No one, okay. I've definitely thought that, man, if I could just get that person to pray for me. So I snuck in line because he was, he, he was barely even taking time to pray for me. He was laying hands, laying hands, laying hands. And, 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 and I remember I, I snuck, some of y'all are like, what kind of church is this? It's just another story for another time. I got in line. He's pray, I mean, he's praying for people for about an hour, praying, hundreds of students. Pray, pray, pray. He got to me before God. Pray, took his hand back. I thought I knew I'm cursed. I just, you know. And then he leaned in and he said, son, I feel like God wants me to tell you that you've been seeking something really passionately that you want God to do in your life, but he wants you to know it's not found in a person. It's going to be found in time alone with him. And I'm telling you, God did that. What am I saying? I'm saying, can I just be really real? Lately, I felt a little bit like Martha. If you know the story, Martha has Jesus over to the house and there's Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, just full of peace. And Martha's just so fragmented. Just her mind is racing, her thoughts, her emotions are just all over the map. And Jesus, she actually gets so frustrated. She says something about Mary and Jesus looks at Martha and says, Martha, Martha, you're worried about so many things, but only one thing is needed. I wrote down in my journal a few weeks ago, Russ, Russ, you're worried about so many things. The only one, put, put your name there. Zach, Zach, Sarah, Sarah, whatever your name is. And hear Jesus saying, you are worried about so many things, but only one thing is needed. X Church in 2022, I hope God answers all your prayers and does all your dreams, but one thing is needed. What, what if I'm so convinced that if I hit my physical goals this year, then life will finally be under my control. What if I'm so convinced when I get here, do that? And what if the thing that I think I need most and that you think you need most is not the thing we need most? And what we need most is to actually just get in the presence of Jesus and stay there and let him speak to us and heal us and do something in us. You know, we're getting ready to begin our fast tomorrow and I am the type A type person that usually months before New Year, I love New Year's Eve, and I usually, I started doing all this stuff, and not to be all spiritual, but I just feel like God checked me the other day and say, stop writing things down. You're getting ready to go on a 21-day fast. Why don't you let me speak into what I want to do in this year? Why don't you give space for me to tell you what I long to do inside of you? What if only one thing matters this year? And that's who I'm becoming. You know, me and my dad, He's retired and he loves to look up trips. And so we try to take a trip every year. And this past July, we went to Iceland and there's this picture of a waterfall I'm gonna show you, it's beautiful. Uh, Iceland, just most ex amazing place. They have over 10,000 waterfalls. There's another one, me and him there. I can't even pronounce the name of that waterfall. And I almost wanted to go with the image of like, what does it look like he said to get under the waterfall of God's word, God's presence. But can I just be really real? 2020, 2021, I've, there's, just like you, I've had successes, failures, ups, downs. But if I'm just being honest, I feel like at times 
the waterfall of externally what was happening around me crashed into my life and some of it got in me. Anybody? Like the I would love to say I happened to 2020 and 2021, but I'm pretty sure the waterfall of those years happened to me. And God did some amazing things. I had some, some good victories and, and, and thank God for his faithfulness. But there's another natural phenomenon in Iceland that, that I've decided I like even better than waterfalls, and it's geysers. It's these hot underground springs that out of pressure burst forth. And I took a quick little low quality video of one while I was there. I'm gonna show you. And uh, I think it's probably more impressive in person, but um, but I've just decided, you know what, even if I don't achieve anything else this year, what if this became the year that instead of the waterfall of my circumstances splashing onto me and getting in me, what if I became something that got onto it? What if... This year in 2022, no matter what externally happens, it's not going to be the waterfall that hits me. I'm going to be the geyser that hits it and goes on to everything around me. Jesus said this to the disciples. He said, whoever believes in me out of his inmost being will flow rivers, not droplets, rivers of living water speaking about the Holy Spirit. And I think you and I can walk this year in such a way that we're not hit by the waterfall, but we become the geysers that actually bring life and exude joy and hope into every single person we come in contact with. Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. Eyes closed. If you need a touch from God, if you just need him to refresh you today, why don't you just lift your hands wherever you are. Say, that's me. I need, I need a touch from God. Hands high. I just want to pray for you. Father, I just speak life in Jesus' name over every single person today that needs a touch from you. I'm asking you to, I, I, I'm asking you to bring healing. Lord, healing to wounds. I speak peace to the troubled waters of their mind. And God, may this year be a year where we encounter you. I don't care if there's people in this room that have known you for 30 years. Reveal yourself in brand new dimensions this year. God, to the person in this room that doesn't even know you yet, reveal yourself to them like you did to Samuel. Lord, speak to people. So I, I pray in Jesus' name right now that you would heal bodies right now that are sick. I pray right now that, God, you would shift things in people. I ask that you do miracles in this moment in people's lives. And I pray that this year you do such a deep work in us that we become a geyser that actually flows into the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate his presence? Hey, come on. We're going to sing. We're going to declare this can be the year that God does the supernatural inside. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We want to connect with you and we want to be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.